We're so excited to share this teaching message with you from Sikamo Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We believe God knows you and loves you, and through his word, he expresses his plans and purposes for your life. We hope that you open up your heart and really sense God speak to you through this message from our pastor, Tolulokwe Moody. Let's get right into the service and be blessed by this message. <laughs> Who said for God's word this morning? Who is expectant about God speaking to us? Amen. This morning we're on week two of what we started out last week. Um, we started out a series we called Help and we're basically trying to talk around that space of where, you know, sometimes the Christian journey feels hard and maybe you can relate in some way to that, you know, just battling through rhythms and routines and you just feel like you have questions or difficulties and all of that. And, you know, I'm hoping that this morning you're going to hear something that is really going to encourage you um, just in what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So this morning, I'm going to speak to you on what I call see finish. See finish. And here's, here's, what I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look for two, three people before you sit and tell them, I really feel God is going to speak to you this morning. I really have a feeling that you're going to get a word from God this morning. And then you can be seated this morning. Amen. Fantastic. All right. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. So that's why you guys look forward for them to clap for you. So you stood here until they clap for you. Oh, yeah, they have clapped for you. They have clapped for you. You know people that led protests. You know them. Fantastic. All right, see finish. Let's talk about see finish. See finish. Maybe I'm sure you've heard that before in some way or the other. Um, maybe you haven't. It's basically a pidgin term, pidgin English, um, that loosely translates to having seen it all, like seen everything that there is to see. And it's usually used to describe a situation where there is, you know, two people becoming so familiar um, that the boundary of respect. Um, is just taken away, you know. They, they just lose every sense of. So basically, what it means is that someone has finished seeing you, um, you know, and that you you are now being disrespected because they are finishing you. Um, if you if you get what I mean. So examples will help. A good example is you know when. Maybe as a student, you're the kind of person that helps your lecturers. So, like, you go to the lecturer's office, you're helping him mark, record, uh, things like that. We sort of used to do it even in secondary school. You're always in staff room, always in staff room. Free period, you're in staff room, you know, things like that. And so, you're always helping the lecturer or the teacher record and mark and all of that um, and stuff. So, that day, you even, you know, it started out as good morning, sir, good morning, sir. But now, you know, you are so familiar. You are the one that is even always calculating and writing. And at some point, I even used to sign for my teachers, you know, and stuff like that. So basically, you get to that point, and then one of the days, the teacher just cracks a joke. And then you are like, you just see your big head. You know, it's, it's an example of see finish. Or, or, or you remember the first time you went to see your, your father-in-law, you know? The first time as you are going, you know, you called brethren to pray, you know, that you are going, you are asking counsel, how should I walk in, should I march, should I walk, you know, you are, everything mattered, you know, you crammed everything you need to cram, you crammed all your answers, you, you stood in front of the mirror, you are asking questions and answering them, you know, and all of that, everything, everything that needed to be done, um, and as you walked in, you know, you were so, as he said, how are you, I'm very well, thank you, sir, <laughs> you know, 
But now, you know, you guys get along well. He started to tell you that, no, I'm a father to you. Don't worry, it's me and you. And you see, you are just, uh, he's, he started to say things like his father-in-love. There's nothing like father-in-law. You know, you're just so, uh, uh, it's me and you, it's me and you, and all of that. Uh, to the point that you are, yesterday you were at their house, and so they were saying, ah, some people are protesting police, and you were saying, ah, government, and some of you were kind of arguing. And I'm like, you are mad. You don't know. What? It's called, it's called see finish, you know. <laughs> see finish. Um, or, 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 or when you're driving and you give someone a lift um, as the person is coming into the car everything in your car is right you know the music you are playing I've had someone jump in my car before and I started driving and someone was preaching and he's like yes amen I'm like you don't even I mean you know but everything you're doing is right but, but the person kind of is passing that route every day so the next week you pick him up again as you are going to work you pick up again and you know you pick up again ah you're going ah yes he jumps in again so, you know the first initial you know now now he's telling you to part I want to go and buy something and wait for him so here you are waiting for someone to go and buy fish you know it's called it's basically called see finish all right um yeah for some of you it's what happens even in church the first sunday you came to church everything was you know how that they even allow us to sit down oh this is glorious now you see finish that is what that is what is worrying you like your life group leader you know the first day you even were joining the life group you were saying how much are we to pay this is so like you mean it's free Wow, and it's life giving. Now, your life group leader is calling you. You are hanging. You are, mm, whoa. It's, it's what? See finish, see finish, see um, finish. Um, some people, they are dressing the way they dress up is see finish. <laughs> Nothing to be imagined. Nothing to be imagined. Um, you know, um, I want it to sink. Some of you, when you're watching soccer, and then Liverpool is playing, and Mosala just swings it out to, 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 the, to the right flank, and here comes Trent with that amazing cross, and then Firmino just controls it, and boom! And you are like, almost see finish. I remember when I was on campus, and, you know, I schooled in Ife. And I was at some point president, whatever you call it, of fellowship. And, you know, in those days in Ife, I don't know what it's like now, but in those days in Ife, campus president is, you think about God, the Holy Spirit, then, you know, we just won't say it's more than Trinity, but you get what I'm trying to say. Like, there's that reverence, you know, I don't know. It's here, it's finished, that's what you people. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. But, you know, in those days on campus, it was like, ah! You know, so I remember many times I would just even want to like, oh, some people are new in fellowship, 100 level, I was in 500, you know, let me even just meet you. So there was, I remember there was this girl that just came to fellowship and, oh, how are you? How are you finding school? And she was, oh, I just like you. Okay, okay. Um, and then she said, Pastor, can I share my number? I said, okay, got my number. And then um, I remember just her calling, I think the next morning, it was a Monday morning, calling and good morning and all of that. Now, I was lying down, I, was, I, I used to stay in quarters, <laughs> quarters, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, you know. And there I was, some of you used to be in fact, you did, I can't rush for sure, no, 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 we don't, we stay in quarters, some of you don't get this, you know, but. <laughs> but then I remember I was just lying down and just going through like some documents and stuff and she calls and then. Um, part of why I don't like people having my number. She calls her then, uh, that she does us to greet me. Oh, that, how are you? And I'm like, okay. 
Um, and then she said, your voice is sounding low. I, I said, oh, yeah, that I'm like lying down. I'm just going through something. So she said, okay. And then she ended the call. Then she now sends me this text. It was quite a few pages of a text. The pastor, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know. But so I'm like, I'm lying down going through some things. You get so She's like, I don't know what you're going through. But I want you to know that the resurrection part. It's called see finish. <laughs> it's called you have my number, you know. Uh, no, no, no. But 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 here's here's what I want you to see this morning. The interesting thing is that there's always going to be a tension, a tension of I want to come close. Um, I want to come close. The things that God is doing in my life, the places God has put me, what God is doing, I want to come close. I don't want to be the far away person. I actually want to come close. But in coming close, there is the danger of familiarity setting in. I think it's a tension we're all going to live with. You know, the Bible says that Moses sees a burning bush. And this is a revelation of God. The Bible says he drew near to see. I don't want to be like the Israelites that would say God is there and I'm staying away. I actually want to come close. I don't want to be in my marriage and say, oh, because I don't want to disrespect my spouse. You just live in one room. I live in one room. We see in the morning, hello. Hi, you know. I want to come close. But in coming close is the tension, is the tendency of familiarity. Familiarity starts to set in. And this morning, I want to preach something that would help us. I think even as we walk this Jesus journey, as we come close to the same things, you know, whether it's reading your Bible, um, and, and here you are, you remember the first day you read your Bible, and how you, everything was a hit back to back, you know, whether it's Judges or Deuteronomy, you know, you're, you're even reading numbers, and you're like, they wrote the numbers. You know, like it was just exciting. Every before you open Ephesians, you're just wow. Every word, you know, it's just like this is glorious. But here you are now. You open the same verse, and you're like, oh, I know it. You know, it's 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 the sea finish tendency. That here you are now, so close, and in that place of being so close, we become so familiar so far. And what I want to preach about this morning, I hope would help you to find that spark, even in the same things of being a Christian, of following Jesus, um, wherever you are on your journey. Maybe you're trying to figure things out, and sometimes it feels hard, or you just feel like you're walking hard places. I'm really going to hit on two things this morning that I hope would help you. You see, in John chapter 10, when we read about the thief coming to steal, to kill, and destroy, we, we talked a bit about this last week, and I even showed you, I think it's in the voice where it says, the thief comes with malicious intent, you're right? He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, but I am come that you would have life. I think it must be a reminder to every one of us that, you know what, we are always living in the spaces of that tension of a thief who wants to steal, to kill. That's the only reason why he comes. He doesn't come for any other reason he doesn't come to just hang around or to just buy time he comes because he wants to still kill and destroy but jesus says i'm come the reason i'm come is that you would have life and have it more abundantly this is real friends this is a real devil this is a real savior this is not you know just some cartoon character this is a real devil who is actively doing what he came to do and this is a real savior who is actively doing what he, he came to do and friends this is the tension we live in we live in the tension of a devil it's not just about waking up in the morning working a job building a career raising a family it's about a devil stealing killing destroying and a savior giving life we would always be in this the activities of our lives and all that we do is playing out within this theme of a devil killing stealing destroying and of a savior giving life whether it's raising a family whether it's going to school whether it's building a business there is a real devil who is stealing killing and destroying and there's a real savior who is giving life every one of us is in this when you hear words like spiritual warfare i hope you're not just thinking about all those fat villages 
strange women flying in the night. No, spiritual warfare is what we always live in. It's not, you know, when you, mm, now we are about to start warfare. Listen, right now, right here, you are in spiritual warfare. There is an enemy trying to still kill, destroy. There is a savior giving life. There is that tension always going on between us. We are always in this, in this space. We are always working this out, friends. And I think the reality that we must never forget is that there are different agendas that both have for our lives. There's an agenda of the devil to steal, kill. And it's a real devil, friends. It's not a cartoon character devil. Um, it's a real devil. It's not, I have nine lives on the game. Ah, yeah, I missed one. Okay, let's start again. You did Super Mario. <laughs> you know, it's not um, nine lives. I would just try. It's a real devil. And he's a real Jesus. This thing is not just about chilling or our indulgences, our decisions, our actions, um, they're either allowing a stealing, killing, destroying, or they're opening the doors for our life-giving Savior. But here's the deal. I don't think the, the devil is ever going to be able to, you know, steal, kill, destroy in the core. I think what he's really, and what he's really trying to do, I hope I can show you this morning, what he's really trying to do is going to be to say that there are things that hold your core. So, for example, you walked into this room and you said, you know what, I'm really thirsty. I'm really thirsty. What do you need? Water. But in a moment, I'll show you that maybe what you really need and what you're really looking for is not just water. Maybe it's a bottle of water. Maybe what you're looking for is a cup of water, a bottle of water, a whatever of water. Do you understand what I'm saying? We think about it just in the substance. I need water. Um, but the devil knows that if you're going to have water, you're going to have a bottle to hold the water. And so he tries to not just steal that sense of water. You feel I still have the water. But what he tries to do is to steal the bottle that holds the water. To steal that sense of the container that carries what God is doing in your life. And so what many of us find ourselves in as Christians, I'll show you in a moment, is that we have the substance looking like the substance, but we don't have the spark to it. We are doing the same things that we've always been doing, but something seems to be missing. And we're wondering why, you know, it's the same way I used to pray. It's the same. It's the same way I used to go to church, but I can't find the spark in it. And I'll tell you why. We think about it just in terms of the substance. But the devil understands that if you're going to have it, it's going to be held by something. So let me show you in the scripture in Revelations and chapter 2. Jesus is speaking to um, Jesus is speaking to the church in Ephesus and in verse 2, he's speaking to the leadership of the church. But I'll just show you something. Imagine Jesus appears to you. Imagine you saw Jesus and then he says, you know what, I want to talk to you. And then he says things like, I know your works. Some of you are already like, yeah, Jesus knows. They may bam me, you know. But, but Jesus comes and says, you know what, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. If Jesus mentions these things and he's commending you on it, man, you're doing good, friend. Jesus says, friend, look, look, I'm the one, I see all things that I'm coming to you to tell you that I know your work. I know your browsing history. I know where you go. I, ah. and Jesus says, we're done. Ah, ah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So, so, so let's put it in our context. Jesus shows up to you and says, you know what? Hello? And you're like, yes. He says, call her. Yes. I know your browsing history. I know your, I know your, I know your. Ha! He says, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. I know it. I see it. I'm looking at you. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And you have found them last. Like, Jesus is basically showing up and saying, guys, you are doing well. You can't bear those who are evil. You, you, 
I mean, this looks like a good Christian life. When it comes to substance, this looks good. You can't bear those who are evil. Go on, verse 3. And he says, And you have persevered. And you have patience. And you have labored for my name's sake. Like I see you serving, diligent, laboring. You know, we don't use words like that often. We just say things like walking. But Jesus said labor. Ah. Have labored for my name's sake. And you have not become weary. That's a good place to be, friend. That's good for Jesus to be talking about and commending you. Jesus is saying, I'm seeing all of this. Then he now says these words, nevertheless, I have this against you. I mean, Jesus, if you are commending all those things, I don't think you should have an issue with me, quite honestly. Quite honestly, I don't think so. Hey, this is Revelation. This is not, uh, so you're like, where, what is the context to which believe? It's Revelation, my friend. This is resurrected Jesus. You cannot have issue with Christians. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. I hear that and I'm like, Jesus, why do you have an issue with that? If I'm doing those things and I'm just the one not really enjoying it, I'm not having that spark, I mean, I'm still going to church, I just don't love it the way I once used to love it. Why does Jesus have an issue with that? I feel like that's my own issue. Anybody? I feel like that's my issue. If I'm praying and I'm not finding the light, at least I'm praying. If I hate what is evil and I'm not doing it with the same, you know, the, the vibe and all of that in those days. But, but it's me, at least I hate what is evil. You know that place you get to in your life where genuinely you hate what is evil but you have lost something in your heart about it. Now it is just a routine of performance. It's a duty that you have to keep to. So somewhere in your heart you are looking at evil people and you are waiting for something bad to happen. You know, you are angry. Have you met sad Christians before? You become sad. You know, so you just go on Instagram, you just see that your classmate, who you know does yahoo yahoo, and you see him, and he just bought this fine car. You know the car is fine. You know, there are times you still be arguing, but you can see it and it's fine. There's something in you, just that he will have an accident. And he did not have an accident. And something is you saying that maybe, maybe it's his family member used for money ritual. The person, his mother will soon die. She did not die. You know, you are sad on the inside. So you are still going to church. But you are even sad about doing what is right. You know, your narrative of going, Nisha, this, uh, we shall have to be doing this. Uh. You know, here you are. You've been holding on to your sexual integrity and all those kind of values. And, and you know this girl that used to like sleep around. Then you now see her in church. And then somebody made an altar call and you saw her raising her hand. They're like, no. <laughs> and so she'll just come and come. <laughs> you know. Thank God judgment is in Jesus' hand. <laughs> if it were in the hands of, of some of us. <laughs> Sometimes when we even write things like welcome home in church, I feel like just going to write under except, you know, that was left of me. <laughs> but friends, let's be honest. When Jesus is commending all this stuff, this is strong stuff Jesus is commending. Jesus is saying you're doing well in this and this. Like, that's good. But he now says, I have this against you. So what did the devil steal? We said there's a real devil who is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. What did he steal? He didn't even steal them doing the right things. He didn't steal their works. 
He didn't steal their church attendance. He didn't steal them praying. He didn't steal them reading the word. Jesus said, I can see you doing all those things. He just stole the spark with which they do it. He stole the love that they had in doing it. He stole their attitude towards doing it. Are you hearing me this morning? He didn't even steal. He didn't even say, I'm going to stop you from doing it. Keep doing it. We, there's a real devil who is stealing, killing, destroying. He didn't even stop their works. Allow them to keep doing the stuff. And friends, honestly, it's that place you get to where you're doing the same things, but it's just a hard place. It's just frustrating. It just doesn't come with the joy and the spark. And sometimes the way we respond to that is to say, oh, yes, um, because the spark is not there. That's why I'm not doing it. You know, why, why have you not been reading your Bible? Because I, don't, I haven't been feeling the vibe I once used to feel, so I'd just rather not do it, so I'm not a hypocrite. Or why, why don't you go to church? Because, you know, I feel, so I'd rather not do it. So I, now, Jesus gives you a solution. Jesus says, I have an issue with you doing it without the spark, but the solution is not so. Stop doing it. Look at verse 5. Jesus says, remember. Remember, therefore, from where you are fallen, repent and do the first words. Jesus tells you, get it right. Are you hearing me this morning? Jesus doesn't say, stop doing it because you're not doing it with the spark you once had. Jesus says, no, get it right and keep doing it, but do it well. Are you hearing me this morning? Come on, it's second service. Are you guys not the better service? Come on. Sometimes we just start to trudge through Christian disciplines like it's a taskmaster we're following um but today in the place of the same things the same things the same christian disciplines the same things i want to remind us of like an awareness that we should never lose um the awareness that will make the difference jesus is saying remember saying remember he's saying repent something in me must say this is not right it's not right to be following Jesus as if I'm following a taskmaster. It's not right. Repent. It's not right to be carrying Christianity on your head as though, you know, you have been implicated in a world scam. It's not right. Jesus says repent. Repent and stop making, you know, stop being sad about following a life-giving savior. Stop being sad about being delivered from darkness into light. Stop being sad about, you know, the, the joy of the house of God. Stop being, Jesus says repent and do the first. Get it right. That's what Jesus is saying. And there are two things this morning I'll try and anchor on that I hope would help you. As you figure out this journey of following Jesus and enjoying that spark in every, in the same things. That I don't want to be that sea finished Christian that, oh, because it's the same things that I've lost the spark and it's just a routine. No, I want to be that person that is so close but is not losing it to familiarity. The first thing I'm going to say this morning is that there is an assurance that comes from believing that does not exist in second guessing. The assurance that comes from believing that does not exist in second guessing. There's an assurance with which we must be living our lives. And I'll tell you the truth, that assurance is one of the things the devil will try and take away. It doesn't exist when we start to second guess. It's an assurance that is connected to our faith. And you might be here this morning and you're saying things like, oh, faith is a journey and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm just little. I'm a baby Christian. That's why I am doubting things and all of that. Listen, faith is a journey. Yes, but it is first of all a direction. As much as it's a journey that I go deeper and deeper in, it is first of all a direction that I have turned. It's a direction that I've turned that has trusted in Jesus. It's a direction that I've turned that says Jesus is Lord and he's Savior and he's true and he's faithful and he's loving. That's the anchor of the direction of my faith. Now I'm growing in that conviction every day, but I'm not double guessing whether or not Jesus is actually true. 
Faith is a journey, but it is first of all a direction. It's a direction that is anchored on who Jesus is. It's a direction that has trusted Jesus. It's a direction that is a decision that we have made about Jesus. Listen, when Jesus is even teaching and he's saying things like mountain moving faith, and you hear things like that about people saying mountain moving faith, like great faith that can move mountains. And just thinking maybe 10 years in my life when I have walked with the Lord, I will be able to move a mountain. Jesus doesn't speak about mountain moving faith as big quantity of faith. In actual fact, he reverses the narrative. He's telling you that mountain moving faith is actually small. Listen to Matthew 17 verse 20. Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Jesus is telling you that, look, you're trying to say, I want faith to do. Jesus said, it's actually small faith. Get what I'm saying? It's first of all a, quant- a quality before it's a quantity question. If we say we want to burn down a building and we need fuel, what we need is first of all a quality. Before you start saying how much fuel, it's first of all a quality of a substance that burns down buildings. It is fuel that burns. If you gather 10 tankers of water, it will not burn a building. Are you hearing me? It is fuel that burns buildings. That's what Jesus is saying. That if you have fuel, you can burn buildings. That's what Jesus is saying. If you have faith, even if it's a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Because it is first of all a quality before it is a quantity. And so you would understand this in Mark 11. Jesus is talking again about this thing of moving mountains. Look at Mark 11 verse 22. Jesus says to them, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Let me tell you what faith is about. It's about being anchored in God. It's about being planted and rooted in God. It's about being focused on God. It's about an assurance of who God is. Jesus is saying, don't have faith in government. Have faith in systems. Have faith in structures. Have faith in people. Jesus says, let me tell you how to move mountains. Have faith. Let, your, let the quality of your faith be anchored and rooted in God. He says, have faith in God. Now look at the next verse, verse 23. So you know, I'm not making it up. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be removed what's the context of moving mountains first of all that faith is in god faith is in god it's a quality we must not lose we live in a world that tries to make us second guess everything about who god is and you know here you are doubting doubting going through all those journeys because of a world system the devil would always be attacking that assurance that comes from believing there's an assurance that comes from our faith being anchored and rooted on god here you are now going around and you know telling god to prove himself to you you know yeah and all those debates and you know god should prove himself if truly god as i'm going out today let the first person i meet be wearing red if truly you love me let let me meet 10 people that will say hello consecutively if you know god is not out to prove himself to you are you hearing me this morning he says live with that assurance if you are trying to second guess god and you know go through all those motions there's nothing god can do for you it starts from that assurance that is built on i rely on god i trust in god i believe in god don't ever lose that as you read the bible and you open it you will lose that spark if there isn't and i believe the word of god you're now saying that if the scripture is really true then let God just confirm it with an angel that will fly. Listen, God will not confirm anything. They came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39 and they said, Jesus, give us a sign. We love signs. Give us a sign. You know, actually walking out and saying that God, if really you want me to get married, let me just meet a lady that will just be wearing yellow or red. I will just know. Let's just agree it before I go out. That when I get to church, I will sit down next to somebody wearing white. They came to Jesus and said, Jesus, give us a sign. Look at what Jesus said. He said, it's an adulterous generation. Evil and adulterous. Jesus used to use some words. 
So he just said, what is this? Give me a sign. He said, adulterer. <laughs> Why did Jesus say adulterous? Because you are, you know who an adulterer is. If not, I say that my wife is an adulterer. If I say your wife is an adulterer, I'm even using my family as an example. You're not even... If I say that a woman is an adulterer, it means that she's between two commitments. She's committed to one with sin and all that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? Okay. So Jesus says, that's an adulterous way of thinking. You are supposed to be assured about who God is. You are saying, give us sign, give us sign, give us sign. We're adulterous. And Jesus now says, you are seeking after sign. It's adultery. He says, no sign will be given to it. Except the sign of the prophet Jonah. <laughs> Jonah. Next verse, verse 40. For us, someone said, that means we'll just be sleeping. No. <laughs> For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Did you hear what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, if you ever need an assurance to build your faith on, if you ever need something that you say, I'm holding on to, this is the sign. Jesus says, the sign I'll give you is my death and my resurrection. If you don't believe the gospel, you won't believe anything about God. It's a decision we have made that I believe what God has done once and for all. Do I need a sign? Jesus died and he rose again. What does it take to know God is with me right now? I believe the gospel. What does it take for me to know God has not forsaken me? I believe the gospel. What does it take to know that God has a plan for my life? I believe the gospel. Don't believe that. Jesus said there is no sign. Let, oh yeah, just one last thing. Let somebody be wearing pink shoe. There's no sign if you don't believe the gospel. That assurance that comes because of who Jesus is to me. Then I have what it takes to be assured in every season of my life. You might be going through the worst season of your life, but do you believe that the Son of Man was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth? Jesus says, that's all you really need to anchor. That's faith. So Jesus says, have faith in God. That's a quality of believing. That I believe that more than I believe New York Times. I believe that more than I believe newspaper headline. I believe that more than I believe what people are saying these days. I believe that more than I believe anything else. That's what it means to live with an assurance of faith. And I'll tell you the truth, friends. The devil would not take away the substance. You'll be there doing the same things, reading the Bible. But you've lost the assurance that the Bible should give you. So now you are reading, you saw a promise from God. It doesn't look like promise, it looks like proposition. Do you know why? You've lost the assurance. You are holding substance. The word of life is in your hands. But because you have lost the assurance that should be packed in it, there's an assurance with which we relate with God, friends. I pray we'll never lose it. It's about who you're leaning on. You can't wake up every day questioning this, this whole God sin. Listen, it's the reality of a thief who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Savior. When you wake up and say, you know what? I'm done with this whole God thing. Welcome to the whole Satan thing. That's the truth. Welcome. Hey, welcome. There are in-betweens in this thing. We're either believing God or we're believing falsehood. We're either receiving life or we're being killed. We're in between the two. People don't understand that this thing is... You know, you know if you say that from tomorrow we're starting spiritual warfare. Ah, you know everybody will... Eh? Spiritual warfare. Where are they coming from? As they are coming back to sender. <laughs> Let me tell you the truth. As you are sitting here right now, you are in the reality of spiritual warfare. The thief is stealing, killing, destroying. The Savior is giving life. You are making choices. Your decisions, your indulgences. The call you make. The one you don't make. Where you go. The life group meeting you attend. The one you don't go. 
He's telling Kelly this. No, but, but I'm for real. I'm for real. As you look in the mirror, you post on social media, you uh, Instagram, um, Twitter, you join VPN, everything. Stealing, killing, destroying is going on. Life is going on. Right? But I'm so glad that we're not victims in that conversation. That we can make a choice. I, I like the fact that Jesus said, you know what, I came to give life, but the thief came to steal to kill this Do you see what happened? Then it's like, ah, everything Jesus wanted to do was truncated. But I'm so glad that Jesus said, you know what, the thief comes to steal to kill to destroy, but... Check out where the bot is. But I am come that you would have life. And I don't care what the devil has stolen, what the devil has killed. I don't care what the devil has destroyed. I serve a savior whose promise still stands. And he says, hey, it's life, people. It's a promise of life. You may be in a broken down generation and everything looks messed up. But the promise of his life still stands. I am come that you will have life. Have it more abundantly. Second thing I'm going to say this morning. No one is just building that assurance that comes from faith. We make a trust to choice to, a choice to trust Jesus. The second thing I'll talk to you about this morning is the freedom that comes from surrender. It doesn't exist in coercion. The freedom that comes from surrender does not exist in coercion. There's a freedom that comes from surrender. But remember, remember, please don't forget this. That the devil will keep the substance with you. Remember what we read in Revelations that these guys are saying, Jesus, do you not see what we're doing? We're doing the same works we're doing. The devil will leave you doing the substances. But he'll just try and steal a revelation that should guide the substance. There's something about surrender. Surrender is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. There's something about surrender that brings freedom. I read a story a long time ago about a man who was telling people that himself and his wife have never had an argument. Say, how long have you been married? 20 years. Wow, you've never had an argument, you know. Tomorrow makes it 10 years since I started dating my wife. And, you know, we've had a few, you know, and I'm like, baby, I'm sorry, I'm learning. <laughs> you know, but, 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 you know, this guy says, married to 20 years, never had an argument. Ah, he says, how are you doing it? Come on, give us talk on how to just never, he says, never, never had an argument. So he comes around and they say, how do you do it? He says, oh, I remember the first day, the day of our wedding. <laughs> that, you know, we were leaving the reception venue, we were going for our honeymoon, and we got to this junction, I was driving, and my wife said, let's turn right. I said, no, we're turning left. She said, "Uh -uh, let's turn right. I said, no, we're turning left. She said it the third time. I brought out a gun and pointed it at her. That's the last time she ever disagreed with me. In act, there is surrender. But in heart, there's coercion. And I'm thinking about how many Christians can be doing the same surrender things. We're doing the same surrender things. We're following Jesus. But isn't it a conversation of coercion? Of the freedom and the joy and beauty that is locked up in surrender. As I think about surrender this morning, I think about how we can be letting go. We can be letting go. But are we surrendering? Do you know how many people say, I gave my life to Christ. And maybe indeed you did. But have you released it? Do, have you released, do you know what it means to release your life to Christ? You, you are saying he's the owner of my life. I gave my life. Two years ago, I gave my life to the Lord. Hear what you said. You gave it to him. And you are still worried about that life. Who is the owner? You say, I've, I've, I've given him my future and my plans. I give it to you, Lord. Like my wife would say, don't give somebody goat and hold the rope. I give you my future, Lord, but here's the rope in my hands. 
So you're worried. You're doing the same things full of worry and anxiety. You're lifting your hands in worship, singing the same songs. Speaking about Jesus being Savior. Speaking about Jesus in all his beauty. But you're not living in that beauty in your life. Do you know why? It's a place we come to where we're doing the acts of surrender with a mind of coercion. What do you think about God this morning? How do you process the thought of letting go to God? I'll tell you the truth, friends. Surrender is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. It's in the place of surrender that we can truly let go. That we can truly live. That we can truly find life. You know, one of those days I was reading about how in, in those days in, in, in olden Africa, when colonial masters come around and they want to take territories, they would say that, you know, they, so for example, the British come around Nigeria, they've taken this place as a territory for themselves. You know what they'll do? They'll put their flag there. They put their flag there. And, you know, so when the French guys come around or the Portuguese or anybody, when you come around and you see that flag, it's simply a statement of, if you want that, then you have to touch me. If you want that, you're fighting me. You're not fighting what you see. You're fighting me. My flag is on it. Are you hearing me this morning? I think about how we surrender our lives to Christ and we say that we carry the name of Christ and the blood of Jesus is on our lives and we are saved by his name. And I think about how we come in those reminders of worship and we're saying the name of the Lord is our strong tower. We're running into it and we're safe and we're living in that. I'm thinking about how we can catch that revelation of surrender that is simply saying that if there's anything about our lives, it is named in the Lord. And if anything wants to touch us, it touches God. If anything wants to get to me, it goes through God. If anything wants to wreck my future, it has to go and fight God. I think about how God puts his name on his own. I think about how we surrender to that authority. Authority is one of the most beautiful things in scripture. It's a question of which authority is over your life. And I'll tell you the truth, friends. I'll tell you the truth, friends. Everybody, everybody is under bondage. We simply choose a bondage that brings freedom. Um, Nobody's freedom is a statement of absence of authority. Everybody is under some authority. You leave one, you are choosing another. You say, I'm, I'm no longer going to church. You are going somewhere. You say, I'm no longer into all those things. You are into something now. Everybody is choosing an authority. What wise people do is that they choose a life-giving authority. It's the beauty of surrender to say the savior we are surrendered to is life-giving. That's the beauty. That's the beauty. But if we approach it with a mindset of coercion of what we're having to do, we don't see the beauty of what we are surrendered to. We don't see the beauty of authority. We don't see that this authority is life-giving. We see it as a coercion statement. Surrender is one of the most beautiful words because of the authority that it puts us under. Listen, the strength of surrender is who I am surrendered to. The strength of surrender is who I am surrendered to. Surrender becomes easy in the revelation of the love and the character of God. In who he is to me, I understand that this surrender is my choice of life. That's why I can cast my cares upon the Lord. Because he cares for me. I walk away from praying without carrying a care. Because of who I'm praying to. Are you hearing me this morning? That's where we find the life. But here you are, you have finished praying. You've prayed about things, but you didn't release them to God. So you're walking away from praying. Worried. Because you're not releasing you are praying, but not releasing. Eh? You are giving, but you are not generous. You are giving to see, give, and release. 
we are doing the acts, lifting our hands in worship, singing the songs. I pray today that somebody is going to rediscover that beauty that surrender brings us into. Freedom. You see, you can't carry this life. Who are you? What do you know about the world? What do you know about life? What do you know about your environment? What do you know about the 500 meters radius around you? Who are you? You can't handle this thing. You're not wise enough. Sorry to burst your bubble, but you're not. None of us is. Open secret. But the surrender of who we have trusted, the trust in who we have surrendered to, that beauty that comes from it, is that a stronger one is holding my life. Is that a greater one is holding me up. Is that one who can never fail is the one holding me up. That's the beauty with which I live. That's how I find life. That's how I find the spark. It's about who I am surrendered to. Here you are worried about tomorrow. There is nothing Think about tomorrow. You, you know, the reason why is because at this stage of my life, I really need to be thinking about tomorrow. Let me tell you the truth. Think from today till tomorrow. You cannot handle tomorrow. You cannot. If you like, don't sleep. Eh? Don't sleep. Stay awake all night. Be saying at this age, I have to be serious. Is that what you call seriousness? Just killing yourself or not. The thief comes to steal to kill. He's stealing your sleep. He's killing your head some point you need to know that the bible says god gives his beloved sleep eh? it's not a crime to sleep and wake up fresh caleb life group seven hours come on in moderate quantities you understand you don't need to collect all the blessing of god in one night he gives his beloved sleep progressively you understand what I'm saying? it's not in one night he will finish blessing with sleep you but it's a beautiful thing friend don't let this generation take it away from you it's who you are surrendered to there's a peace that passes understanding why do I live with that peace? Because of who I'm surrendered to. Not because, uh, so, so what is your plan for the next five years? You don't get a plan and you are sleeping. Why should I not sleep? What does your stay now? Do you understand what I'm saying? It is vain to labor to, to eat a bread of sorrow. Eh? Eat today's bread, fresh one. Not bread of sorrow. Don't mistake seriousness. For being out of the plan, you know, that because you are serious, that you cannot enjoy the beauty of God's plan for your life. Surrender. Surrender. Every time I jump into an airplane, and bam, take off. And at what time I will, will ask the pilot? How do you know? Ask the pilot. Are we flying high enough? Ask the pilot. So the question is: do I have a sensible pilot? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do I have a pilot that will not read in school that will be saying, let's just trust God? Or do I have a sensible pilot? If I have a sensible pilot, I'm good. Sleep. Sleep. You know some planes that you take off that do anything to do with yes. <laughs> This one, me and the pilot were pushing it together. <laughs> when you take over, oh, this is so good. One day I remember there was this pilot that, ah, uh, it was just the, I mean, he just, when I was making his announcements and stuff, he just said, you know what, um, yeah, you know, I, one, he was just so calm, so cool, and then, he just said stuff about how, you know, this is just going to be a fun trip for you. You know what? Just catch a snack, catch a rest. I'll, I'll land you before you know what's happening. You know, it was just so good guy. Good guy. Good guy. How about when you jumped in with a God who says, look, I know the plans that I have for you. The thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. And you are saying, you expected end? If, if by this time next year, my friend, surrender. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You're growing gray here. You are 22. Yeah? Because you are director of creative. <laughs> that's not his age. <laughs> okay, that was wrong. That was wrong. I'm sorry. That was just wrong. No, so there was this gist around that all Sikamo staff are growing gray here. 
I said, what work? Are we killing <laughs> Please stop that. One of them then ran away. Anyway, so. <laughs> yes. You know, and this is something we all battle with. I'll tell you why. Tim, come. Let me start to land. I'll tell you why we battle with this. Because we've lived our whole lives looking for control. Everything in the world tells you, have your control. Have your control. Have control. You go to school, you work hard to get a degree that will get you the kind of job that will give you. What are you really looking for? Control. Control. Everybody wants control. You want to have enough money. Why, why do you want to have it? So that I can go where I want to go, when I want to go, do what I want to do, eat what I want to eat, know what I have to eat. <laughs> when I want to eat it. Come on. Control. Control. Everybody wants control. Oh, and in going where you want to go, drive what you want to drive. <laughs> you know, ride your own kind of camel. Sorry, I thought I could. Thank you so much, right? Um, everybody wants control, thank you. Everybody wants control, you know. You've stopped going home because the way they're talking to you. You want to be able to go home where you can, when they're discussing something, just put money on the table and say, what, you know, control. You know, control. That's a, they're talking to you. It's finished, it's finished, you know. Everybody wants control. And so when we hear words like surrender, it conflicts what we're built, what we're... In fact, every service provider now is selling you that narrative, you know. You don't even have to come to our restaurant again. Order it online. We will bring it to you. Ah! Control. Control. Everybody wants control. And so when you hear Jesus inviting us to surrender, the truth is, it breaks something in us. It doesn't feel... So just let go. It's not the easiest thing in the world. For me. But listen, there's a freedom, there's a beauty. In fact, the supply of the spirit is in the place of surrender. The supply of the essence of God over your life is in the place of surrender. Why do you think we lift our hands? One of the reasons. It's a universal sign of surrender. Maybe you came to church and you say, what's all that lifting of hands thing about that people are lifting? I'll tell you, it's a universal sign of surrender. It is you saying that there is a greater authority over my life. There is a greater authority over my life. There is a greater authority that I'm recognizing. Somebody walks into him and brings out a gun. And what's the first thing he'll tell you? Everybody, hands up, hands up. And what are you doing when you raise up your hand? It's that I recognize that you have an authority over me. Hmm? Hands up. Or it will show you. Hands up. So we come around God and we lift our hands. It's beautiful. Saying, hey, uh, people, there's a colonial flag over my life. Do you see it? Do you see an authority over me? Do you see it? Satan, do you see it? Don't touch my family. Do you see it, Satan? Do you see it? There's an authority over me. You touch me, you, you know who you are battling. Do you understand? You, the, the battle is not mine, it's the Lord's. I'm surrendered. But we struggle with it because we have been trained to work for our control everything some of you are just saying that this time of my life i'll just be going to that office and saying yes sir yes sir but in my mind five years people must be saying yes sir to me <laughs> you are trained to look for control here's how i land this morning i think jesus understands that battle and that dilemma that every one of us walks through looking for control and so we don't just serve a god who tells us you know what surrender but we serve a god who put his own son on the cross 
and as he put his son on the cross and he stretched out his hands and began to drip out his blood and lay down his life Jesus said nobody takes my life I lay it down it's my own choice it's not that you know it was not the betrayal of Judas or the, the evil of Peter and, and the wickedness of a generation no Jesus said I lay my life I want you to understand I made a choice of surrender he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but he willingly took on the form of a servant he laid himself down he paid an ultimate price of surrender and he said now look at my example I did this paying a price for you but I also did it laying an example for you to live so that you will know there is something I want you to know that even as you surrender to the point of death that is the beginning of true life even when you surrender to the point of death that is the beginning of true life for except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies it abides alone but when it dies it brings forth much fruit Jesus said I want you to look at me and see that in that place of surrender to the point where you have even died to it to the point where you're not even alive to it anymore to the point where you've laid down yourself you've surrendered yourself you are dead to the worries dead to the fears dead to the anxieties dead to your ambitions dead to what you thought was life when you've surrendered to the point of death Jesus says that's when true life begins that's when the resurrection life sets in that's when the beauty of the plan of a good God for your life sets in Jesus says I want you to see my example and see that pattern and then he says look except anyone takes up his cross and follows me you can't be my disciple listen to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus to take up your cross and like Paul says I die daily I die daily I die daily that ego thing in me I put it to death daily that thing in me that won't surrender to Jesus I put it to death daily that struggle I put it to death day. I die daily so that I can truly know life and friends today this is my invitation that the truth is we live in a world that will keep us in the routines that will keep us doing the same things but will take away the spark of life but today I'm inviting us to learn surrender anew to come to the house of God lift our hands like we've never done to come around the people of God and lay down ourselves to give ourselves in generosity to lay down our lives for God to lay down our lives knowing that the one that we surrender to is good and he's loving and he's for us and he has plans for our lives and he's faithful and he's never made a mistake with anybody and he's not going to start with you let's lay down our lives in surrender knowing that God is a faithful God let's lay down our lives in surrender knowing that the authority that we submit to is a life-giving authority he's a life-breathing savior he's a life-giving savior it is a thief that comes to steal to kill but he has come that we would have life and can I say to you this morning there is never a laying down to Jesus that is a laying down that ends in death there is never a laying down to Jesus that is a laying down that ends in death every laying down to Jesus is the beginning of life it's true life it's true life that we just stepped into in Jesus name do you receive God's word this morning come on let's stand to our feet let's clap our hands everybody let's clap our hands this morning wherever you are let's clap our hands this morning and now let's lift up a shout to Jesus this morning somebody get beyond yourself this morning get beyond yourself this morning and just let out your heart to him this morning hallelujah let's worship together as loud as you can wherever you are come on my king my king of Christ
everybody just 60 seconds to respond this morning. I don't know what this means to you. I don't know where you've been living without the assurance. You're losing the spark because you're just going through the routines, but you've lost an assurance that trusts God. I want to I give you a moment. It's not about doing it harder. It's about setting your lanes right. Maybe you're here this morning and you've just lost that, that peace of surrender, that joy of surrender, that beauty of surrender. Hey, come on, set it right. Jesus said, when you, when you find that you have lost it, Jesus said, repent, remember, repent, and, and set it right, and set it right. I want to just give people 60 seconds this morning. I don't want to be a C-finished Christian, that, I'm, that the whole God thing doesn't move my heart again. <laughs> Who Jesus is doesn't move your heart again. Oh man, I never want to be there. That his presence doesn't move my heart again. No, no. How is a loving Savior standing before me? And I'm content to be unloved. How is a life-giving Savior standing before me and I'm content to just go on through the motions? No, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. If he is truly life-giving, then I need that spark of life in every day of my life, people. If truly he's loving, then I need to know the warmth of his love. If truly he has a plan for my life, then I want to be living in that assurance, friends. I want to be going through the same motions, going through the same things, but with the spark of life and of joy and of peace that comes from surrender. Somebody needs to rediscover this morning. I want to give you 60 more seconds because I want somebody to pray. Wherever you are this morning, I want you to pray. It's awesome when you pray. You can pray. Come on. Lift out your voice to God this morning and pray. And let heaven hear your voice this morning. Let God see your heart this morning. Somebody needs it. Somebody needs it this morning. Somebody needs to rediscover that joy and that peace. You belong to God. You belong to God. You belong to a good God. You belong to a good God, somebody. Somebody needs to just find that echo of love again. That echo that comes from hearing the sound of heaven over you. Somebody needs to find that echo back to God this morning. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Not another day going around the cycles empty. Not another day going around the cycles just going through the motions. Not one more day living like I don't have a good God. Not one more day living like it's not a good God who saved me. Not one more day. Not one more day. Not one more day. I make the choice today to lift up my head in trust. To find that assurance again. Somebody needs it. Come on, wherever you are this morning, whether you're online or you're in this building, I want you to pray. I want you to pray. It is true love that saved us. It's not a scam. I didn't give my heart to a scam, God. I'm not playing games on God. If God is true, then let him show himself true. If the gospel is true, then let me build my life on it. If the gospel is real, then let me find the assurance I need in it. I gave my life to a good God. Yes, I did. The authority over my life is an authority of life and of peace and of joy. No one more day in depression. No one more day in anxiety. No one more day in confusion. No one more day, somebody. this morning i don't know who you are how you came about being in church this morning whether you're in this building then you're in a watch party or you're at home anywhere i want to make an invitation this morning for people to say yes to jesus the world teaches you to look for control maybe you've done that all your life maybe even coming to church the mindset you have is a mindset looking for control 
you know. But today I'm inviting you to surrender. I'm inviting you to give your life to a Savior who knows you through and through. He knows you more than you know yourself. And he has a plan of life for you. I don't know who you are or how you came to church this morning, but my invitation this morning is whether you can boldly say that you're in the right place with God through Jesus. That's the truth. There's only one way you can be right with God. It's by surrendering, putting your trust in what Jesus has done for you. If you say, you know what, I'm living in sin, I'm living in the shame, the guilt, I'm trying to make it happen on my own, but I know today that I need to surrender to Jesus. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you say, I've made this decision before, but as we speak today, I know that I've walked away from it. I've made poor choices, I'm living my life in the wrong way. I know I have walked away from it, and you want to be made right today. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting people that have never prayed this prayer before, people that have never made that choice. I'm inviting you. I'm going to ask everybody to just bow their heads and close their eyes. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you to put your hand on your chest. Whoever you are, if you say you're speaking to me, I want to be included in that prayer. I want you to put your hand on your chest wherever you are this morning. One, two, three. Put your hand on your chest. Cross this building, in a watch party, at home, anywhere. Put your hand on your chest. God bless you. I see people in this room. God bless you. Anybody else want to join in? God bless you. It's a miracle. God bless you. God bless you. I see more hands. God bless you. It's a sincere thing between you and God. God bless you. God sees you and knows you. This is a real thing, friends. It's a choice between a life-given Savior and a thief who wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's a real thing. It's not a joke. It's a real thing. No more God games. It's a real thing. Let today be the day of surrender for you. God bless you. See people across the room. God bless you. God bless you. It's a real thing. God bless you. Hey, let's say a prayer together. If your hand is on your chest, I want to stand with you. This is a family, not a crowd. Say these words knowing that God hears you. We're standing with you this morning, wherever you are. Everybody, let's join in. Let's say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. So I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he's the savior of the world. I believe he took my sin on the cross. I believe he died a death that he never deserved. So that I can have a life that I never deserved. Say today, I confess Jesus as my savior and my Lord. Say please forgive me of the past. And give me a whole new start. Say I will live for you. It's fill me with your grace. Fill me with your spirit. See, I'm a child of God. One day, I'll be with you in heaven. Say, change me on the inside so that I'll change on the outside. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Let's celebrate miracles. Come on, come on, come on. Let's celebrate miracles this morning. Every one of those miracles. Let's celebrate it. May we never take it for granted what God is doing. May we never become so familiar that we lose the revelation of a miracle. Death to life, people. Hell to heaven just happened. Praise the name of Jesus. just happened in your life it's amazing that's the greatest miracle ever it's amazing 
Now, everybody in this room this morning, if you prayed that prayer, you know what I want you to do on your way out? There's going to be people waving a book. Um, it's called a Fresh Life Devotional. You're going to see some of our team waving it. It's free of charge. Just tell them, I prayed that prayer. I need a copy. They would give it to you. They would love to know how they can be praying for you, how they can support you. It's just to get you started in following Jesus. I encourage you, please make sure you do that. Please do that. It's our gift to you to get you started. Everybody online and wherever you are, um, there's already information on your screen about how you can let us know that you prayed that prayer. But we are so excited. I can't tell just how much of a miracle has just happened in your life. We are so honored to have been able to share this teaching message with you from Sikamo Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We really hope you found it to be a blessing. To find out more about us or how you can receive more resources from our church or our pastor, Tolulokpai Moody, please visit our website, www.sikamo.church. That's S-Y-C-A-M-O-R-E.church. Or on Facebook and YouTube at Sikamo Church and on Instagram and Twitter at Sikamo underscore church. If you're ever anywhere around us, we'll be super honored to welcome you at one of our services.